The scripture reading is taken from Psalms 139, verses 1 to 18. Psalms 139, verses 1 to 18. And it reads, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knoweth very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lower, lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written. The days are fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are also your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Here endeth the reading of God's holy word. Please be seated. Could you just bow with us as we pray? Father, we... As we open your word... We invite thy holy presence and we ask that you'll step out from within those pages into the hearts of all your listeners, those who are here and those who are listening online. May your spirit go to work and bring conviction upon our hearts, for this is a prayer in Jesus' name. Sorry, I missed out our guest singers, and uh, I was blessed by that rendition. Um, please come again. There'll always be a spot in Brixton for you. You know, when you read about the story of David, he always talks about the greats. <laughs> There's always a spot among the greats for you. God bless you. So, this month, February, um, has been designated as Family Month um, around this conference. And the truth is, there are so many different families, structures, so many 
different family structures. They, and, and wherever you find a congregation, you would find people that belong to each of those structures. Hence the reason why we have to be so careful how we minister for fear that we might just be ministering to one particular family structure and leave out the rest. The social scientists believe that there are six specific types of family structures. So you have what is called a nuclear family. And of course, the nuclear family consists of, and follow me carefully now, consists of married parents of opposite gender and the biological or adopted children living in the same residence. So if we go back to the Bible, you would recognize that as you read the book of Genesis, there you are presented with, with Adam and Eve, husband and wife of different genders, and uh, they brought children. So the nuclear family you would find right there in the book of Genesis. Then you have the single parent family. So of course, you know, right here in a congregation, you'd have many people who belong to the nuclear family. And then you have the single parent family, consists of one parent raising one or more children on his or her own. And we find this very often in a congregation. Then we have the childless family. And as I looked at the childless family, something attracted me. And, and this is what was said. Uh, the research says that, um, well, the childless uh, family uh, consists of married couples who have decided for whatever reason not to have children. All right? And, and what caught my eyes was that the research shows that over the last 10 to 12 years, the childless family has stolen the spotlight. Over the last 10 to 12 years, there has been a shift towards the childless family. In fact, research shows that the childless families outnumbered families with children for the first time in history. First time in history. And then of course we have the blended family. Consists of two parents and the children from previous marriages, blending together. And then you have the extended family. Consists of two or more adults who are related consists of two or more adults who are related by blood or marriage, living in the same home. Many extended families include cousins and nephews and nieces and aunts and uncles. Uh, you know, they live together in a community. And uh, with the advent of the 21st century, we have seen the introduction of a new version of the extended family, and, and that is called the, the Bean Pole family. 
It simply says that the Binpole family has strong ties, but they live apart. Intergenerational ties are stronger, even if, it is sep if they are separated by oceans. And then, of course, we have the grandparent family. That's when grandparents raise their grandchildren. Now, in a congregation, we'll find that all of those family structures are represented. The problem is, as I said before, as we minister, we must be very careful to minister to everybody. We ought to be so careful that we minister to everybody. And so today my focus would be a little different from the last two Sabbaths. I have been told that for the last two Sabbaths we focused on the, the nuclear family, mother, father, and children. But today I want to focus a little bit, my focus would be a little bit different. I would like to be focusing on singles because singles find themselves in single parent families, the extension families. You find them almost everywhere. And, uh, and um, do you know that? No, there, there are so many things about, about singles that, you know, that are out there. And, and there are a lot of myths about singles out there that we, we believe, we accept. We've been hearing about it. We've been reading about it. And we have just accepted it. It has become part of us. And, and, and sometimes we act out what we have heard, what we have read. We act it out. And very often, singles become a target group that we say all kinds of things about or do all kinds of things to, you know? Do you know that there are people who think that if you're single for a long time, something is wrong with you? They question your sexual orientation. You can't be normal to be single for a long time. I do hope that by the time we come to the end of this presentation, that myth can be dispelled and we can begin to see singles as important people and as normal people. I want you to know that singles can become very spiritual people. Singles can become very powerful people by using their God-given gifts and talents. Do you know that singles make up a great percentage of our congregation worldwide? Of course. Maybe they make up the greatest, if we put it on a pie chart, singles will have the greatest part. And so today I shall choose to focus on three categories of singles. Three categories of singles. First of all, there is what we call singleness by choice. 
those who have chosen to live a single life. The choice to be single should be made out of strength, not of weakness. So if someone makes a choice to remain single for the rest of his or her life, that decision should be made out of strength. The decision should not be made because of the feeling of insecurity. I want you to know singles as we, and, and I thought, before, I, 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 you know, I, I did a lot of thinking before uh, selecting the scripture reading. I want you to know that despite what people say about you, that does not matter. What matters is what God says about you. And I want you to know, if you didn't know what God says about you, let me tell you this morning, God says you are faithfully and you are wonderfully made. And when you accept what God says about you, there should be nothing like an inferiority complex. Because what my brother says about me doesn't matter. But what God says about me matters. That choice to remain single must not be made out of a fear of relating to the opposite sex or a fear of being dominated by others. Singleness by choice must be the result of a clear, logical, well thought out decision. It must not be, it must not be a decision where you want to enjoy both worlds at the same time. Now, if someone, if I was still single, and someone of the opposite sex comes to me and says, you know, I'm, you know, you know, I'd like to have a relationship, but I want you to know that I have made a decision to be single. I will chase that person. Now, if you've made a decision to be single, why do you want a relationship? There are some people who want both worlds. They want to enjoy both worlds at the same time. You have decided to remain single, but every time you see a, a, a person, you are of the opposite sex, you are burning up inside. <laughs> you have decided to remain single, but you still want to fling your body here, there, and everywhere. Listen to me, that kind of behavior, sooner or later, will not only hurt you, it will not only hurt those whom you have exploited, but it's going to turn back to hurt you. So we've got to be very careful. Singleness by choice is not an, e is not an easy decision to make, but there have been people, there are people who have made it without any regrets. Listen to me. There are some consequences that come with that kind of decision. But if you submit yourself to God, if you submit your decision to God, God will give you the power to overcome and to live a clean single life. He will. The word of God declares 
Jude chapter 24, Jude chapter 1 verse 24, it says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, it gives hope to you who, are, uh, who have decided to be single. Uh, I want you to know that God has provided the power to help you to be successful. Then there is this, so that's singleness by choice. Then there is circumstantial singles. Those who have not yet found a marital partner. Who want to get married? Looking around? Talking to God about it? They are not ashamed to express it? but they just not have found a, a part, someone as yet. Circumstantial, circumstantial singles can also apply to people whose spouses are in prison or living abroad. Or could also uh, refer to a couple who have cohabitated for a while. That is, they were not married but they lived like married people. They had children, but after some time they became separated. And then of course, so we have, uh, we have singles by choice, we have circumstantial singles, and then of course we have second time singles. Those who at one time were married, but through either divorce or the death of one spouse, he or she has become single again. So here you have it. And those are the, the, the three categories of singles uh, I, I shall be addressing today. So you have discovered based on the, the different type of family structures that we mentioned uh, before, that the nuclear family, uh, and that is, uh, well, those families are just to recap for you here, the nuclear family, the single parent family, the childless family, the extended family, grandparents family, and blended family, you would find all the elements of those families in a congregation. And as we blend them all together, that's where the challenge to minister comes. Have you ever stopped to think of the way that many of us have treated singles? Have you ever stopped to think? Let me speak specifically to those who are married. Have you ever stopped to consider the pressure we put single people under, especially young ladies? And sometimes we do it so innocently. We see a young lady and one of the first questions, she is 24, 25, 26, one of the first questions we ask, do you have a fiance? When are you getting married? As innocent as those questions are, it puts people under pressure. One young lady says, listen, I'm not passing close to sister so-and-so at all because that's the first thing she always asks me. Put them under pressure. You know. Have we ever stopped to consider the embarrassment they face when they are faced with those questions? 
the hurt, the pain that we have inflicted on them just because they are single? Have we? Have we ever stopped to think of the way that many of us have treated these people? <laughs> you know, singles, I want you to listen to me. Whatever category of singleness you find yourself in, let me say this to you today. Continue to believe in yourself and continue to dream big dreams. Stand up. Learn to stand up not only for yourself, but to stand up for others. And do not apologize to anyone for your singleness. There's nothing to apologize for. But hold on to God. Commit yourself to him. Conduct yourself appropriately and your miracle will come. Don't try to help God. Now, go back and read the story of Abraham. God is able. He's able. Listen, the days of miracles are not over. And the God we serve is all-powerful. He is all-knowledgeable. Listen to me. The Bible declares that at creation, he made something out of nothing. Did you know that? At creation, God made something out of nothing. God said, let there be light. The Bible says there was light. Read the first two chapters of Genesis. Go back and read them. And you will discover that the God we serve, he knows how to make something out of nothing. He did it at creation, and if he has to do it again to find someone for you, he will do it again. For the days of miracles are not over. People always come and question, Pastor, do you think I really want to get married, you know? But, I mean, you know, it's only, um, well, it's, it's about 40, 40 to 60, uh, 60 to 40%. Um, 60 in the church, 60% are, are, are ladies and 40% men. And, and, and some ladies would never get married. I said to them, I said, listen, it's not any different in the world. The same percentage out there, same ratio out there. Stay in the church. It's better in the church. The God whom you serve, who is able to make something out of nothing, if needs be, he's going to make that miracle for you. Conduct yourself appropriately. Don't give anybody reason to talk about how you advertise yourself. In fact, the way something is advertised it is done in such a way to attract a certain kind of clientele. So if you advertise yourself in a certain way, singles, rather than lifting you up, it's going to pull you down. Remember that there's nothing wrong with you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't let this get away from you. And the God who made you, he knows your needs. I say he did it at creation, and if need be, he can do it again. But the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
But remember, God is not just omnipotent, all-powerful. He is also omniscient, all-knowledgeable. All right? So, because he is omniscient, God knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. The Bible says so. He knows the end from the beginning. And even before something happens, God already knows the end. He knows. He knows that for some people, and listen to me, follow me very carefully now. He knows that for some people, marriage won't work for them at this moment. There is some surgery to be done. There are uh, some people who might just be carrying some baggages that they must first let go of. Bringing that kind of life into a marriage would not bring any happiness, any joy, but misery. Maybe you're wondering why your miracle has not come yet. God is saying, listen, I am still working on you. There are some brokenness that needs to be healed. God loves you too much to allow you to plunge into a marriage that will mess up not just your life, but the life of somebody else. So don't give up. God is still in the kitchen, and you are still in the oven. If it is his will for you, nothing can stop God's will for your life. You will get there. Be patient. Let him walk on you. One of the saddest conditions is to see a single woman find herself running after men. Well, I don't know where these men get energy, but they run faster. <laughs> I pray God that no single woman in this church will give any man the impression that they're running after them. And so sometimes these uh, sisters become such poor specimen of humanity that no right-thinking person would want to marry them. And, he can, uh, and, <laughs> and I can agree with that. And very often, these people who run after and give everything that they have, they never get married, always get hurt. You know why? Because a lot of people feel that once you're single, you are, on the, you are on the hunt for relationship. And very often, they offer something that is just filled with lies and empty promises. And it's sad to see sometimes how a wonderfully made singles just gravitate towards that as if it is thus said the Lord. Remember that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Don't you ever think that marriage is a therapeutic cure-it-all? Ask us who are married. And we will tell you that going into a marriage with damaged emotions can mess up your relationship for life. Marriage is a sacred thing. You've got to prepare for it well. It can either be a little heaven right here on earth or it can either be something that is as close to hell that you wouldn't want to be there. So we've got to be very careful. Listen to me. Only God can heal damaged emotions. Marriage can't. You know, sometimes I hear people uh, talking to, uh, to single people. You have a headache? Girl, I tell you, you need to get married. If your toe hurts, you need to get married. If your fingernail breaks, you need to get married. As the marriage is a therapeutic cure-it-all. And these are some of the pressures that we put on people. Let me say to you singles, dream big and set reasonable standards. Not standards that you can't reach, that nobody would ever reach, but set reasonable standards and know what you want in life. One of the problems I've found with a lot of single people, you know, we chat, sometimes I do um, a certain level of counseling, is that they want something in life, but they don't know what they want. So if I need a key, if what I need in life is a key, and you offer me a phone, I'm going to take the phone. But the phone won't be able to open my door. You've got to know what you want. There are too many aimless singles walking around, wanting something, not knowing what they want. And let me say this to you, the enemy, the devil, is no fool. He has been able to deceive a third of the angels who were perfect. Know what you want. So when you, when, you, when you meet what you want, you will know it. I have a little car there. Someone drives off with me. I drives off with my car. And I call the police. Please help me, officers. Someone has stolen my car. And that's the end of the conversation. Okay, we're going to get a car. They haven't asked me what color the car is. What's the registration number? They have never asked me anything about the car, but they are going after the car. That's how some people exist. Going after something, they don't know what they're going for. Going after gold, and when gold is found, you don't know. Listen to me, sons and daughters of God who are single. God wants to work with you. And he wants to walk through you to destroy all those myths. Let me say this. If there's one group of singles who should be sensible and who should be wise are Seventh-day Adventist singles. I want you to know you are his children too. And church, those of you who are married, I want you to know that singles are his children too. Treat them with respect. I've heard a lot of negative things that have been said about singles. Plenty. Many people believe that singles, that sing, their singleness is synonymous to desperation, mistrust, 
immorality. Many say it is impossible. Listen to this. Many say it is impossible to be celibate and single. You need to dispel that myth. You need to let them know that you can be single, but you can be celibate by the grace of God. There are some, there are some married people. Sometimes you find some, some of them in church. I hope they're not here. But as soon as they see a single person talking to his or her spouse, the antenna goes up. You know that kind of thing? What could they be talking about? So long. They begin to feel threatened. That's insecurity. That's insecurity. <laughs> Brethren, we got to look again at how we, we, we look at people. We got to look again. You know, as a result of how we treat a lot of singles, they begin to feel worthless. They don't want to come in our midst. They want to, or if they're here, they want to make sure they run away from you because they don't want to hear the same question you've been asking for the last 20 years. They're depressed. They're lonely. And they become vulnerable. And very often, listen to me now, very often, and I've seen it, very often, the most wonderfully made singles are targeted by suitors who have no ambition and who are lazy and all they have is a smooth tongue and a lot of meaningless words and empty promises. And if you have a good job, they feed on you as a parasite does. They tell you how absolutely gorgeous you are. Explaining how blessed they are to, to have found you. But after they have plundered you financially and sexually, they walk off in search of another to plunder and the cycle goes on. There are some bold people who go around saying, me not buy pussy in bag. Well, if you want to buy a pussy, you better prepare to buy it in bag. They want a sample first. I'm telling you what I've heard. There was a guy in one of the Caribbean islands, it was around Christmas time, when all the fruit vendors set up the stall with all the nice, luscious fruits. Doesn't want to buy any grapes. But he visits the, the stalls as if though he wants, hey, I want to buy some grapes for my mother, but I hope it's sweet. Oh, yeah, sample it. And after he samples for about half an hour and his stomach is filled, he walks off. No sampling. Any sampling must be done after you have stood in front of us. We have read that vow and prayed for you. We gotta be very careful. And so today, 
I just want to remind you as I speed up here to close in the next five minutes. You cannot afford to compromise your purity nor your integrity. For once it is gone, it is gone. Try to preserve it. Let me close with a few points. Accept yourself. Many singles suffer from low self-esteem, occasionally, occasionally asking, so what is wrong with me? This kind of feelings tend to isolate the singles for fear of rejection is greater than loneliness. Remember that the fear of rejection is greater than that of loneliness that he or she feels. Number two, discover yourself. List your strengths, list your liabilities, your goals, and your interests. Improve yourself. If you find yourself lacking in some areas, walk in those areas. But accept what you cannot change about yourself. Accept it. I've always said to single young ladies, listen, there's a time to wear colors that says you're mourning. Those dull gray and black and funny browns. You know. Maybe I have a Caribbean bias, but colors bring out something in you. Don't be afraid to wear colors and make sure and I want to commend Brixton Church because if you didn't want to have one in your home, there's a long mirror in the back there. When you come to church, step out and look at yourself. Look good. You are a child of God. You are the light of the world. How could you tell people that when you come to Jesus, you're going to look different? And they look at you and smile. You know, when you're going to buy a dress, make sure it fits well. Don't just hang clothes on you. No. The truth is, brethren, if I was single and I was looking in the congregation, I would look for some things. If you don't know what to look for, see me after the service. We're going to talk to you. Quickly, accept your circumstances, all right? Accept your circumstances. The secret of happiness, says the Apostle Paul, is to be content in whatever circumstances you find yourself in. Be content. Pray. Ask God for guidance and for direction in your life. And when you find yourself at that point, you will be content. But if you're heading without God's, guidance, you're heading into trouble. Quickly. Seek to find healthy ways. Accept yourself, right? Seek to find healthy ways of relieving loneliness. Don't, don't apologize, I've said, for your singleness. Neither accept a negative view of society, that the negative view that society has about single life, right? Serve others. Singleness presents greater availability for ministry to others. Listen. 
Now make yourself available. We're talking about second-time singles, those who have lost their, their spouse through divorce or, 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 or death. Make yourself useful. Don't sit down there and mourn. Make yourself useful by helping others. You help yourself. Give of yourself. And by giving, you receive. Enjoy life now. Don't cherish some long, uh, some, some lost memories of the past or chase some elusive dream of the future. Don't go there. You're going to hurt yourself. Talk to the Lord. Stay with him. Do healthy things. Enjoy people. Go places. Pursue your interests. Don't be afraid to do things on your own if needs be. Be independent. Maintain ties with family and friends, but don't let them run your life. We all need emotional support, but we must learn to stand on our own feet. Learn to make our own decisions and learn how to manage our finances properly. Learn self-control. Overindulgence is costly. Ladies, listen to me very carefully. Gentlemen, those of us who, or you who are single, listen to me very carefully. Overindulgence is costly. You may not have someone to answer to, but in temperance, especially overeating, may strip you of your self-respect so you can't even live with yourself. The principle involves proper care of the body, exercise, and we have a class there every Tuesday evening. Come and get fit. Come and lose some of those things that, you know, you can lose some of that. All right, come and get fit. Exercise, rest, diet, give up those big old pieces of chicken that you feed on. It's killing you, somebody says. I'll leave that for another time. As you exercise, as you rest, you know, that would help relieve tension and it would help uh, prolong life. And as we come to the last point, make prayer. Brethren, did you hear what I say? Make prayer and Bible study a part of your daily life. Let me say this to some of you who send those little devotions on WhatsApp. Some of these have been a blessing to me. A blessing to me. Sometimes in the morning, 6 o'clock, I'd hear my phone go. And I, you know, pick it up and read something. It has blessed my soul. Spend some time on your knees. Make prayer and Bible study part of your daily life. And, and as God blesses you and inspires you, send some of those little devotionals to your friends. It's going to bless them too. You'll find a constant uh, a source of strength and comfort. And this will bring great benefits to single persons who have to face those trials on their own. Finally, let God be a friend. Let God be a friend. Brethren, if I didn't say anything else and I was only able to say one thing, I would say, let God be your friend. 
Believe that he loves you. He wants to care for you. Trust him. Take this time out of singleness. Because when you're married, when that miracle comes and you, and you are married, you would not have time to do all that you would have been able to do in your singleness. So spend time with God. Take the time out to get to know God better. Get to know him personally. Many people rush into marriage without establishing a true relationship with God. And when trouble comes, and let me say this to you, trouble will come. It will come. When trouble comes, when trouble dispels, Ellen White says, she says, when trouble dispels marital bliss, then rather than having the power to deal with it, she says you lack the power of Christ in your life to help you heal that relationship. So brethren, as I close here, let me say, close with these words. Don't miss the chance to experience the power of God in a real way. May God bless you. Father, we pray that this love that can make us happy, the love of Jesus, would be found right here in our congregation. So that as we come here to worship, we would recognize that we all are your children, your sons and daughters of God, and that uh, each one would, would treat the other with importance, with respect, and with the love of God. So be with us and bless us today. And in a very special way, Lord, I lift up the singles of this church. I lift them before you. You know what they go through. You know what the needs are. Merciful Father, I just pray for that miracle to happen one day. Again, I place the entire congregation in your hand now. Every family structure that is represented here, please bless them. Continue to encourage us until that great day when we see Jesus with our very eyes. We want to go with you. We want to live with you eternally. Oh God, help that if the trumpet should sound now, we all would be on our way. Thank you for hearing. Thank you for answering our prayer. Thank you for being our God. Oh Lord, we place ourselves in your hand. In Jesus' name.